your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Well, hello, this is Catherine, your host of Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring positive actions, inspiring positive achievements worldwide, exceptional people rising to the challenge. It is such a bright, cheery day here, high up in the mountains here in Colorado, doing some hiking and mountain biking with Hubs and our little dog, Melekaliki Maka. Of course, Maka for short. <laughs> Well, I hope you are safe and well wherever you are listening from. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me. There goes the wind. Woo! Connect with me on LinkedIn. And you can listen to my show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can also sign up for email updates. You can also listen to the show from my website. There is a button where you can link into Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I'm available on all podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anyone that is your favorite. The birds are singing as well. It's just beautiful, except for the wind, of course. I'm in a very open area because these tall pine trees, unfortunately, many have been hit by the pine beetle, and I'll post pictures of what the damage has been done by this little tiny bark beetle. But the entire forest has been hit, and there are a few green trees left that are still surviving. But we come up here to do hiking and mountain biking. Well, we had a wonderful day hiking today, but we did have to leave that area where it was so windy because trees were falling, and we needed to hightail it on that road and get out of there before the tree fell across. trees fell across the road. So we're back at home, a slight breeze, the birds are still out singing, and the crickets are out chirping. And I have an update from former guest Ian Shive from the episode featuring him, Hidden Pacific, Ian Shive, filmmaker. And that would be episode 63. He has a new series out on Discovery Channel, which I'm very anxious to watch. The first episode is Nature in Focus, Seasons Changing in Alaska. And the second episode, which has just released, Nature in Focus, Capturing the Super Bloom. So you can catch Ian Shive, nature photographer, cinema photographer, on Discovery Channel, Nature in Focus. Thanks, Ian, for that update. Music by Chris Knoll. Fabulous music. You can listen to his music on Spotify, Chris Knoll, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E, and you can learn more about him from his website, chrisknoll.com. Well, I want to bring you an update regarding today's episode featuring Dr. Lorena Law of Hong Kong. The sound quality is poor at times, but the conversation is so interesting that I wanted to bring you all of it. Well, thank you so much for listening. And now my featured guest, Dr. Lorena Law from Hong Kong. Your positive imprint. What's your PI? Today's guest is Dr. Lorena Law. Dr. Lorena is a general practitioner practicing in Hong Kong. She has a special interest in medical aesthetics and uses nutritional and lifestyle medicine to improve skin aging, which we all need, at least I do, and also chronic illness prevention. 
She takes a whole-person approach to medical aesthetics by integrating minimally invasive laser technologies, injectables, nutrition, breathwork, and stress management to support aging and age-related conditions. And she is board-certified in anti-aging and regenerative medicine. That is something that I am so anxious to hear about. And then, oh my gosh, just so much more. And we're going to hear about her practice and her positive imprints. Well, Dr. Lorena Law from Hong Kong, this is just so exciting to have someone from that part of the world. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm really honored that you invited me onto your show. And um, I'm very excited to talk about all the different things um, that we are doing here in Hong Kong. Well, this is exciting. And so now it's, let's see, in in Hong Kong, you are, it's actually, you're a day ahead. So we're recording this and you're out, you're in the afternoon and I'm going to be ready to go to bed here soon over here. You're doing this um, amazing work in Hong Kong as a general practitioner and as an anti-aging regenerative medical practitioner. You are just so young to have all of this board certification. Wow. So where did you go to school for all of this? So I actually, I'm a bit of a nomad. So I call myself a third culture adult, which (laughs) means that I have a different ancestry to where I actually grew up. I was actually born in Myanmar, in Rangoon, and my parents are Burmese, Chinese, Japanese origin. So they were second generation Chinese born in Burma. And then they migrated to Hong Kong back in 1978. And after that, they also migrated to Australia in 1988. So I had started schooling here in Hong Kong and then finished my medical schooling in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Did you learn English in Hong Kong? Yeah. So when I came to Hong Kong, my home language was Burmese. And when I went to primary school, I actually went to a Cantonese-speaking Chinese school. So Cantonese is different to Mandarin. It has actually nine different types of tones compared to four in Mandarin. But they're very similar. So at the time, it was still under the British colonies, so I went to a Cantonese-speaking school, but then eventually went to an international school in Hong Kong because my parents had a plan for myself and my younger brother to study overseas. So I ended up completing primary school, high school in Sydney. And so sometimes you might hear an accent. Yes, I do hear an accent. <laughs> that is a little bit Australian. Um, so I, I grew up going through high school, did my university training, worked in the hospitals in Sydney and New South Wales, Australia, and then actually came back to Hong Kong in 2003. So that was a significant year to be back in Hong Kong because, as you know, we now have this coronavirus issue. And in 2003, it was actually SARS. So I ended up here in that year working as a GP in a clinic That was basically my career journey. And I realized that I have a lot of passion, even in medical school, in understanding more about health and wellness. So how to actually prevent people from getting sick. Because I realized that through my internship year in hospitals that 
people actually went out of hospital sicker than when they came back in. So they might be more stable, but their quality of life wasn't always better, um, especially when you get to a certain age, when you're getting into the geriatric population. So I realized that with chronic illnesses, that was really a big issue. Then that was 20 years ago. So <laughs> I that um, even though I had the skills as a doctor to stabilize patients with medication or refer them on to surgeons, the difficulty was is as we get older, we lost a lot of our function. And I wanted to actually explore how to keep people well. And hospitals might not like me now because I want to keep people out of hospital <laughs> with chronic illnesses. <laughs> I mean, so, so that kind of started my journey into anti-aging medicine. I actually started as a cosmetic physician. So I was doing a lot of laser-based therapies, facial rejuvenation. I don't do any surgery, so everything I do has to have very minimal uh, downtime because a lot of my clients are also professionals, so they don't really have many days to recover from surgery. So I focus in that niche area. So I use different topical skincare products, um, injectable nutrients um, into the skin, but also into the veins, into the body, basically combining what modern medicine now has to offer with a lot of the new or a lot of the more nutritional types of therapies that were around back in the early 1900s before we actually had medication. So I, I integrated both because I believe that aging is, a, is about not just external appearance, but it's also the quality of our bodies, our metabolic function, our ability to maintain that function for as long as possible and have a really good quality of life and not just uh, lifespan, but also health span. So, so my training actually has been quite broad because uh, the American in the, in the US, um, a lot of this is becoming much more accepted. So I did my training in my board exam um, through the college, uh, through the American Association of Anti-Aging Medicine. And I think in this area, it's so new that there's no one particular country or one particular school that covers everything. So I try and select different types of qualifications based on the history of the college and the association and also the content. Yeah. So I'm kind of trained from everywhere, really. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere from Asia to Australia to America. Well, that, that makes you more marketable. <laughs> So wherever you go, you were talking about injectables into the vein and nutrition. I, I've seen some of the pictures you post on Instagram. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so tell, share a little bit about what that entails. And also, is that something that, because I've never heard of it here in the state. So I'm wondering if we haven't approved of it yet. The original way of giving uh, nutrients into the body was because in back in the 1900s when we didn't actually have any drugs for cancer or chemotherapy medication or even certain types of antibiotics or antivirals uh, and patients were getting very ill and having chronic fatigue or they had sort of a cancer diagnosis and, and, and they just really wanted to improve the quality of life. It actually started um, started by a doctor in the US and his name is John Myers. So he actually treated thousands um, of patients anywhere from autoimmune conditions to chronic fatigue to 
depression, anxiety, asthma, many, many kinds of chronic conditions. And he really got great benefits in improving his patient's quality of life. So it's actually nothing new, um, but it's become much more of a trend in recent years because a lot of celebrities have latched onto this. So it's been marketed as a vitamin drip or an IV drip and it boosts your energy. It's a hangover cure. Oh. <laughs> it's not effective for jet lag. So it's become much more commercialized uh, because of this uh, acceptance. But the actual medical use of it was started by Dr. Myers. And after he passed on in the 1950s, another integrative nutritional medicine doctor called Dr. Alan Gabby. I'm a fan of his because he spent his entire career researching nutritional medicine. He actually modified this combination of nutrients. So it contains vitamin C, magnesium, calcium, B vitamins, and zinc. All these nutrients support the body's system for making energy and also in terms of enzymes because our bodies require a lot of enzymes. So these enzymes actually help to make hormones, they help to break down toxins, they help to make new cells, they uh, help us to grow hair, relax our muscles. Um, so, so all these nutrients are very key for supporting the body. So when we didn't have drugs to treat some of these conditions, he, he found ways of using intravenous nutrients for this. From that, um, there's also been other schools of doctors. Um, one of them is Dr. Linus Pauling, who's actually very well known for giving megadose vitamin C. So, and, and even now in this day and age, particularly now with coronavirus um, in China, they're actually using megadose vitamin C to treat the coronavirus. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. So, this is really kind of being picked up again. And the reason also is because nowadays when we're giving uh, chemotherapy medication to patients, sometimes it's very difficult for them to tolerate the side effects. So, things like nausea, fatigue, discomfort. So what research has been doing is looking at the combination of using vitamin C and chemotherapy to alleviate some of these side effects so that the patients can complete the courses of the cycles of chemotherapy, but also improve the quality of life while they're going through it. And it has been shown to improve this. So that's why in the medical area, it has been used for various conditions and also including sepsis, so it's an infection of the blood. It's also been used to help with glandular fever, which we used to call kissing disease. Viruses can really knock people out for up to six months, but we found that if you actually give megadose vitamin C for a certain period of time, they recover much faster. So it's not expensive to do, and it's not a drug, so <laughs> that's why sometimes it's difficult to do more research in this area to to prove that it works in, in different conditions because no drug company is going to fund it. So it really is a collection of experiences from doctors like myself across the world who have actually given this safely for various different conditions. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Well, thanks for the history and for sharing that because it may have been there in the 1900s, but it, it hadn't been well accepted. Now, you got into the anti-aging, the uh, to become certified in the anti-aging and regenerative medicinal area. And you did that because you felt a need to help that part of society. 
So how do you go about this? Do you talk about creams? Do you do the research on the creams? Do you... Actually, the research has been done by a lot of scientists and the research also has been done on animals but also on humans and we're discovering that there are more and more nutrients um, available specifically for skin but also for the body. So you might hear about things like peptides, for example. They're actually sequences of amino acids made into like a pearl necklace. And these peptides actually work as signaling molecules to our cells. So they tell the cell to perform a specific function. So sometimes these functions include making more collagen and stimulating the tissues that make healthy skin. So this type of research has actually been around, again, for decades. Right. Uh, but it often gets lost, again, because they are natural products. So they're not chemicals, and so it's very difficult to get more research and funding. So we have very small amounts of human and small samples of human studies. And these studies are actually available through the contacts that I have made as part of my education. So compounding pharmacies that are not so much here in Hong Kong, but overseas, where there is more of appreciation of personalizing nutrients and, and skincare. For and why do you think that is? I think the major leap was when we started to discover that um, there's an area of genetics which is influenced by our environment. So we call this epigenetics and things like nutrition, exercise, the geography that we live in, the, the temperature that we're exposed to all impact on the way that our bodies express these genes. So we start to realize that each of us are very unique individuals because we have different sets of genes from parents, but also throughout the development of the, the fetus, environments from the mother actually affect the expression of the genes in the baby. So we're starting to discover this new area of the fact that we need to personalize um, healthcare and also the area of pharmacogenomics, which is how certain types of people react to different drug therapies. Um, some react worse, some react better, some don't react at all. This area is also becoming much more widely investigated because of the interest. So we're knowing now that if there's, there's no one size fits all for diet, for exercise, or for stress management, because we're all very different. So when you look at the spectrum of research into nutrition and exercise, you'll actually see that every kind of um, uh, every time kind of intervention actually does work, but it it doesn't always work for each individual. So I think the the challenge is now to find. What are the particular markers that are out there that's able to help physicians like myself or healthcare practitioners or other practitioners to find out what is the best lifestyle approach for this particular individual? Um, because we have the medicines, the drugs, you know, the surgery, the, the technology there, and, and that's really good. Like it's, We have advanced so much that very few people are dying of infectious diseases or trauma, but the problem is we're living longer but we're also not healthy. I mean, the obesity rate actually has not improved. The chronic disease rates have not improved. <laughs> so we're really missing something here. And so far, we've actually taken a very population, one-size-fits-all approach for everything in terms of diet and lifestyle. 
And so that's why I think physicians like myself who are interested in personalizing, we go and study courses, we learn a bit, we broaden our minds and our horizons. And so then we have the opportunity of meeting the people who are there to help us build a successful practice, be able to offer these things to our patients. And so that's why I think overseas as well, like a lot of people are very aware about health, especially in Australia. I think we're very fortunate there because it's such a great environment and people are really focused on their fitness um, and lifestyle. So it's, it's a priority. And in some ways in Hong Kong and in Asia and China, we also have a tradition of Chinese medicine, which is about, yeah, how to live a quality of life. What are the things that we do, you know, drinking tea and, you know, doing Tai Chi and Qigong and all those things have always been a part of our culture. And I think the trend is now moving more towards how do we harness that for the individual so that actually we, we can sustain this healthcare because you know, if we continue the way that we do in 2050, the WHO actually says we're going to start to run out of resources to, to take care of chronic disease. So there's a real economic issue from even the big governments trying to sort of have a plan for this, but also at the individual level, because people are becoming more aware that sometimes medicines don't actually cure the disease, they're just symptom management, and they actually don't necessarily come off and get better. So they're looking for other more holistic strategies. I've never really thought about personalizing healthcare. I mean, we do that for in education for kids and for differentiating. So personalizing healthcare, instead of looking at a chart and saying, oh, well, somebody your age and your weight and your height should be da-da-da-da-da. But instead you're looking at, okay, really doing the, the research on what this person's lifestyle actually is and what it could be, where they live, the environment, everything. I, I like that, personalizing healthcare. And so now when people come in to see you, what do they call and ask you for? I mean, what's the typical, Dr. Lorena Law, can you please do this for me? So I have, I guess, three different kinds of patients. So if I just talk simply about the aesthetic patients, they often want to not look like anybody else, but they just want to look more like a refreshed version of themselves, not even necessarily younger, but just more presentable, more fresh looking. I always describe it like you walk out of here looking like you've had a great holiday. And you can really tell when people have glowing skin, they've had um, some treatments and, and their skin has is softer, is smoother, they feel it themselves. So they still might have a few wrinkles, but that's okay because that really is a badge of wisdom. And oh, thank you. <laughs> And I think, you know, it's it's not about not having any wrinkles because we know that that's not realistic. And, and so we educate patients on the types of treatments that we have. So I'm always of less is more approach. You know, if you want it more, you can always come back for more. But if you actually inject something, you can't remove it because it's there already. To some extent, you, you want to be able to slowly transform yourself. You know, it's not like a instant makeover, which I think you know, a lot of people are sold this idea that the, the, the reality is that it can be overdone and it doesn't look like your authentic self um, and you don't feel like it's your authentic self. And I think the transition or this, the contrast is so great that people often don't accept um, the results. So for me, it's really about enhancing uh, who this person is. 
So I always ask questions about what is it, what is your goal? What do you not like? What would you like to change? And then I educate them as to what the options are, what the side effects are, what the, what the cost is and how often they have to have treatments. And then we actually come to an agreement of the process. So I do treat my patients as partners on this journey. And so I want to understand what they do, who they are, what are what's their philosophy. And I can give them uh, the different types of treatments. Uh, or if I don't do surgery, then I refer to my colleagues who will listen to patients and also have the same kind of approach. So that's what I do. So sometimes um, it can go from uh, doing a laser treatment. So in, in Asia, we see a lot of patients with pigmentation. So even though Asian skin don't tend to age very quickly, we do suffer from a lot of uh, hyperpigmentation, scarring from acne, um, hormonal pigments. So we tend to use a combination of laser therapy. So the laser does not um, create any obvious damage to the skin. It's a very gentle kind of laser. And they can actually go back to work straight away. Nobody needs to know any treatment that they've done. <laughs> it's a slow, gradual, over the next three to six months treatment. And then we send them home with a tailored skincare regimen. Because if you're looking after your skin, it's like giving nourishment to your skin every day. It's like you're, you're eating every day. So looking at you know, what you're putting into your body, but also what you're putting onto your skin to enhance that benefit and make it synergistic. So we do really get great results and people are so happy when actually we do a before and after photo. <laughs> and um, <laughs> if we don't show the photo, um, they get a lot of great comments from their friends and who, who often say, wow, you, it looks like you've been on a holiday and what kind of products are you using? <laughs> so it's, it's often really um, rewarding to, to hear that. So that's the cosmetic patients that I, I see. And the other kind of patients are the pa patients who have actually gone to, to, who have chronic illnesses. So for example, irritable bowel syndrome is a really common one. They often go and see their doctors and they get prescribed antispasmodics or antidiarrheals or um, fiber to help them sort of move their bowels or regulate their bowels. But they often find that it actually works for a period of time and it stops working. So they want to know a bit more about what they should eat. You know, is there anything else that they can do in terms of their lifestyle? So we talk about stress management. We talk about whether or not they're actually eating the right foods for their body at the right times and how they're actually eating because the whole digestive process is really involved. And even the way that you think about food actually affects the way you digest food. So then we actually go into different, sometimes into different types of testing. So we actually look at, you know, gut health. So we know now that so we have these probiotics, we have these beneficial gut bacteria that affect the way that we absorb nutrients, the way that we regulate our immune system, and even for mental health. So this is gut-brain connection. And it's important to investigate that and understand what was the trigger for these symptoms and what is ongoing that's still causing the problem. And can we give them a diet for a short period of time to alleviate those symptoms and at the same time repair some of the damage that could be done. So for example, someone travels in Asia, they get a parasite, they get diarrhea, and they might feel that they've recovered after a week. But the problem is then after six months or so, they start realizing that they're actually not digesting their chicken or they're not actually tolerating onions or garlic, for example. And it's very strange because they've never had these intolerances before. So 
if we just give them painkillers or if we just tell them to avoid the food, actually it's okay in the short term. But if we haven't fixed the underlying problem, and sometimes that's because there's a disruption in the gut flora, then they might never actually be able to get better. Like So these are the kinds of patients that I see is when they've actually gone down the conventional way, seeing the conventional doctor, but they haven't really completely recovered. So they will look for someone like myself with a bit more of the overall view. You were talking about the probiotics in our gut. We have them there, but they also sell the -the over-the-counter probiotics. Is that something we should be taking? It's a really good question. So definitely there are studies on conditions like eczema or asthma and Folks and even diabetes, for example, where specific strains of probiotics taken for a period of time actually improves these disease conditions. So I think for a short period of time, if you're trying to treat something um, or even if you're trying to reset your gut flora after you've had some type of um, gastroenteritis, then I think that's fine. But the reality of it is we already have these probiotics naturally in our gut which is actually developed from the time that we're born um, and the time that we actually eat foods. And, and the foods that actually help these probiotics grow are things like fiber, vegetables and fruits and starches that are already in our diet. So my question always is, if you don't have these conditions and you're just trying to improve your health generally, why not actually give the foods that your gut flora wants to eat? <laughs> so... Um, I don't necessarily recommend it as a supplement for every day if you're generally well. I might trial it for a short period of time to fix the problem and then encourage my patients to actually broaden their diets. And here in um, Asia, we have things like kimchi, which is fermented cabbage. Um, So that's really full of probiotics and prebiotics. And some patients actually have things like um, kombucha or kimchi, so it's about exploring more of these different fun kinds of foods uh, and incorporating them in our diet rather than just taking a pill because I think that foods are more tasty than the pill. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I don't take probiotics. I just, you know, you see them in the store, you hear commercials. And I know that there's, you know, a lot of marketing in over-the-counter products. So you never know what what are we supposed to be doing. And that's where that personalized healthcare comes in. <laughs> and there are some other chronic illnesses that you had in your bio. And one of them I think was fibromyalgia. Yeah. That so- is so that is hitting such young, young people today. What causes that? Yeah, it's a really good question because I don't think we really have a definite answer of the cause um, because there are so many um, variable things that we find in these patients. The physical manifestation is that they have chronic pain and it's often systemic. So it's in the shoulders, it's in the neck, it's in the back, it's in the legs. They get headaches, they get mood issues, they get depressed, they get anxious. It's an actual constellation of symptoms and people get diagnosed with fibromyalgia and there is actually no one test. So the problem is how the strategies that we have conventionally as doctors is give a painkiller, give an antidepressant, try and get that person to do some type of stress management to help their mood, physical therapies to alleviate some tightness or tension or immobility problems. So we only have these types of treatments for the symptoms. 
But what I sometimes see is that there are a myriad of different things that can actually contribute to it and can also continue to perpetuate it. So I often look at the type of diet that people are eating. And often when you when I take a history, they will have a diet of eating processed foods because they're too busy to take care of their health. So they're buying things like um, McDonald's or they're going to have soft drinks or sometimes they're not even eating um, because they're so stressed that they just don't have an appetite. And then on top of that, they would have a lot of stress where they are not sleeping or only sleeping four hours a day. And then they don't go out in the sun, so they're not sort of regulating their circadian rhythm. They're not getting sufficient vitamin D. Um, And vitamin D is actually so important, actually not just for bone health, but also for our immune system. So a lot of these patients have some low-grade immune dysfunction. So that's why they have a lot of pain. And so they also have a lot of fatigue because that immune system is constantly dysfunctional. So they have to use a lot of energy in trying to balance that. And so they get tired and fatigued and then it compounds the whole problem. And because they're in pain, they're not sleeping. So it's really about finding what nutrients um, are deficient. So we do specific testing, but we also take a diet history and try and find out what have they been eating and what are they eating now and try to expand and make it much more whole foods based and not um, processed. At least, you know, you recognize the food that you eat. And sometimes it's just doing that itself can make a huge difference. And I actually remember my first patient who had fibromyalgia and she actually had a neurectomy. So they actually severed a nerve because she had this chronic pain and they couldn't manage it with medication. She came to see me and she was actually eating a traditional, like she was eating a a modern diet of fish bowls and noodles. (laughs) And that's what she was eating all her life. And she didn't realize that now when she has this condition, continue to eat that way is actually not nourishing for her. So we actually educated her about getting enough good fats, good amount of vegetables and fruits and healthy protein, and taking her time to chew her food, making sure that she's got good sleep hygiene so she's not up all night watching TV series. <laughs> <laughs> and also I utilize some targeted oral therapy like carnitine, for example, because that's quite specific to healing the nerves and giving energy to the nerves in these types of patients. So we did this with her for about three to six months and she didn't need her painkillers anymore. She had quit her job before and now she was going back to work. She was sleeping better. Um, She was understanding more about diet and really she didn't really need any other therapy. And I was just really astounded. That was really a long time ago. But even just then, those those simple strategies and just educating them on how to be more proactive about their health and really be involved with taking the responsibility of their lifestyle actually made such a huge difference. So that's really inspiring for me. And that's why I do this all the time is because I see the difference in just simple things that people do. Well, it's in, and they and that's your positive imprint. And it's obviously global. And the the people that you treat, whether it be aesthetic or for an illness or whatnot, do they ever contact you later and say, oh, my gosh, thank you. I just love you. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I'm so grateful that they actually tell me. and And some of the patients really have said that I've changed their lives in a very deep way. 
that's really the reason why I became a doctor was to help guide people onto the right path with the knowledge that I have. In the past, a doctor is actually a teacher. So it's um, about teaching people how to take care of themselves. So yeah, I'm very grateful to have gone through this process. It's very, very rewarding. It's hard work (laughs) with all the new advances, but it's so amazing to discover that sometimes these old therapies, you know, Chinese medicine, for example, and this idea of even walking meditation, like the Japanese have actually been doing this like for centuries, you know, that's that's how, that's some, one of the secrets to their longevity and, and the quality of life. So it's, it doesn't cost anything, it's cheap. <laughs> and we know when we do these things, our, our stress hormones actually come down. And when it comes down, our immune system is much better at fighting infection. And we're much more able to cope with stress because stress is all around us. It's not a bad thing. And it drives us and makes us want to achieve things and make a difference. It's chronic stress and it's not being able to modulate that often gets us into trouble. I would love to have you discuss more on medical, but I also want to get information because I've I've never really, except for what, I read from newspapers, etc. I've never, don't have much knowledge about what it's like living in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a very congested city and we don't have as much nature when we're actually working and people do come here because of their career, the professional progression. Um, but it's also a city that's very exciting. It's lots of things happening. In fact, I think if you came to a big city like this, you have to learn to say no a lot. <laughs> you're working full time and then you're actually socializing full time. Um, people actually can get burnt out by burning candles at both ends. And that this is often what I see. You have to really sort of take time to ease into it and find nature. Because actually, even though people think Hong Kong is a congested city, we do have a lot of hiking trails, a lot of islands around Hong Kong that you can catch a ferry to and enjoy the breeze and the outdoors and be in nature. So we do have that. And it's actually very accessible. It takes maximum 20 minutes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's very accessible. It really is. So it actually requires people to think outside the box a little bit instead of just being so fixated on the technology. And that's one of the other key problems here is that to go into a meeting, it's actually accepted that you could have your phone on and answer the phone because time is money here for everybody. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, whereas if you were somewhere in Australia or in the US and you were in a meeting, like it would be frowned upon if the phone vibrated and you actually walked out of the meeting. (laughs) But it's totally accepted here. So you kind of have to make some adjustments. In any major city, there there are going to be stresses. You're very well spoken about everything that you've been talking about. And I know you do some teaching and it, it would be great to have you as a teacher because your clarity is very good. I am truly enjoying all of this. Is there anything that I didn't ask? Because there's so much about you with, you know, certified and... No, I think we really covered a lot of things that um, in actually this short time. (laughs) (laughs) That you asked those questions and gave me the opportunity to talk a bit about what I do and what I hope to inspire. (laughs) 
Well, how often do we get to sit down with our own doctor and say, hey, you know, can you answer these questions or what is it like doing this? I mean, we, we don't get that opportunity. So it's nice to be able to chat about it. And I'm, I'm interested in, in definitely learning more, not that I would go and do it, but I really am interested in the injections, the injectables. Like I say, it was from your Instagram photos that just intrigued me in, in a way that what on earth could they be doing in, in anti-aging and, and regenerative medicine? So uh, it was just interesting, and, and I'm always wanting to learn more. And your approach is, is so warm and kind. So what are your inspiring words that you'd like to close out with? I like to say that um, what I have found most fulfilling in this journey is to discover who your authentic self is and really be grateful for that and to look at ways of improving that for yourself so that you're able to make an impact to the people who really resonate with you. And because if enough of us make this change and have this awareness, we could really change the world. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you're, you're so cool and rad and wonderful. Wow, inspiring. You've inspired me and I, I really have enjoyed listening to you. And I hope we have this opportunity again because you are a wealth of knowledge. Dr. Lorena Law, thank you so much for sharing here on Your Positive Imprint. Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. To learn more about Dr. Lorena Law, go to her website, medical.lifeclinic.com.hk. You can also check out her posts on Instagram, Dr. Lorena Law, where she also provides information regarding workshops and your health. You can take those workshops from anywhere in the world. Don't forget to subscribe or follow my podcast, Your Positive Imprint, by hitting that subscribe or follow button now. Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?